Hi, listeners, and thanks so much for joining us again for our third iteration of the Sex Trafficking Scoop podcast with myself, Annie Lafreniere-Ritchie, and my friends and colleagues, Alan Bakke and Kate LePage. If you're just tuning in for the first time, please make sure to listen to our previous podcasts covering uh, myths and stereotypes around sex trafficking and talking about how teen dating violence correlates with trafficking and exploitation. Today, we're going to be talking to you about one of my own favorite topics, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs and how they relate to trafficking and exploitation. However, before we get into ACEs, Alan, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit more background information on Safe Harbor and the work we do as regional navigators in Minnesota. Happy to do so. Well, there's a lot to say about Minnesota's Safe Harbor program, but to begin, I'd encapsulate it by saying that Minnesota's Safe Harbor program involves legislation, supportive services, shelter services, and regional points of contact and coordination for individuals experiencing sexual exploitation, human trafficking, and vulnerable at-risk youth and young adults. But mostly, it's about a groundbreaking change in thinking and focus, and that's what I really like about it. Beginning back in 2011, Minnesota started seeing youth who exchanged sex for money or something of value, not as criminals, but as victims and survivors who would be treated with dignity and respect and directed to supportive services and shelters. And Alan, I just want to like quick jump in and say we were the fifth state to pass this law, right? I know. Amazing. We're yeah. groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wonderful to be part of a community, a state, a process that is saying we want to see people as people instead of this criminalization. I think that's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just great to be part of the safe harbor system. Yeah, yeah, I, I just wanted to add that. I mean, I think because it's always shocking to me still after working in this for years to be like a 2011. You're yeah. still identifying people as juvenile delinquents who traded sex for something of value in 2011. Yeah, so. crazy. So I'll walk you through a little of the legislation and structures uh, that came out of the legislation. But before I do that, I still believe that it's important to say that even with safe harbor legislation, sexual exploitation of youth in Minnesota has been and still is commonly overlooked and misidentified as something else and even kind of goes undocumented and unaddressed, depending on the communities and where it's at. So it's not a perfect fix yet, but we're working towards that. And that's a great thing. First thing is to understand the definition of sexual exploitation since it's the foundation of the safe harbor legislation. Minor commercial exploitation occurs when someone 17 and under engages in commercial sexual activity. Commercial sexual activity occurs when anything of value or even, even a promise of anything of value such as money, drugs, food, shelter, rent, or a higher status in a group or gang is given to a person in exchange for any type of sexual activity. Now, on to the Safe Harbor Legislative Timeline. The Safe Harbor Law passed, as you said, Kate, in 2011. It included adding the definition of sexually exploited youth in Minnesota's Child Protection Codes. Groundbreaking. It also increased the penalties against commercial sex purchasers, and it directed the Commissioner of Public Safety to work with stakeholders to create a victim-centered statewide response for sexually exploited youth. In 2014, Minnesota continued to enhance the Safe Harbor program by excluding sexually exploited youth under age 18 from the definition of delinquent child so that they are regarded as victims and survivors. If youth engage in sexual conduct that relates to exchanging sex for something of value, they cannot and will not be charged with that crime. 
And in 2014, Minnesota began implementing the No Wrong Door model, making available resources and services for sexually exploited youth, including regional navigators like us, also housing and shelter programs, comprehensive services, and training and protocol development, and so much more that is part of that No Wrong Door model. In 2016, Safe Harbor services were made available to individuals 24 and younger, realizing that youth development, being exploited in traffic, and needing services doesn't just change when turning 18. Well, there's so much more to say. To learn about networks uh, implemented in Minnesota to support youth and young adults experiencing sexual exploitation trafficking, I would refer everybody to either go to the Minnesota Department of Health website or contact one of us. So anyway, there's more that I can say. I could talk for hours on this if I haven't already done so, but I'll stop there. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate you helping our listeners get to know more about who we are and what we do. Um, so now I'd like to dive into the topic of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And I actually became familiar with this topic when I was working in child welfare at a tribal agency. Um, so tribal leadership brought in the film Paper Tigers, if you have seen it. Um, it's a fantastic film. If you haven't, I totally recommend watching it. Uh, they brought it in for the community to see, and it was really eye-opening, an eye-opening experience for many of the people attending, myself included. Um, so it was really this idea that um, childhood trauma and the impact of it wasn't new to me, but I was able to really see how intergenerational and historical trauma uh, occurred around me with really different eyes um, and also really felt impassioned to learn more, not only about adverse childhood experiences, but really what we can do to mitigate the risks associated with ACEs. Um, so Kate, I know you also grew up exposed to child welfare and the imp impact of childhood trauma. I I'm interested in hearing more about what ACEs are um, and really where they came from. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I would say, you know, I also watched Paper Tigers and if, again, if you haven't seen it, you gotta please, see it. it's Must so see it. yeah. great. <laughs> it's such a good eye opener uh, and very well done. But, you know, I really started to dive into ACEs uh, when I was in college. I listened to a TED Talk done by Nadine Burke, uh, or Dr. Nadine Burke, excuse me. And she talks about ACEs, you know, in a way. So it started, her, her journey down ACEs began when she was a doctor in uh, a pediatrician in a uh, lower income town or city in uh, California. Excuse me, I'm stumbling over my words here a little. And she started to see all these kids that came in that were being diagnosed ADHD. How can so many kids come in diagnosed ADHD? And she started to dive into research with some of her colleagues and they came across this ACEs study and it all really fit. And what she just found is that these kids were demonstrating um, symptoms of ADHD, but what it really was, was the impact of adverse childhood experiences. And she really talks about how this impacts our brain and the hormones that are released. And what it does is when you're in chaos or in trauma all the time, your brain gets stuck in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode. And when your brain is in that mode all the time and those hormones are always released, your body is always going to be reacting. Um, and that's where we get this hyperactivity, hypervigilance, um, you know, constant commotion from kids where they're then diagnosed ADHD. And she compared it to, you know, if you're in the woods and there's a bear, 
you want your brain to kick in to that fight, flight, freeze, you know, that emergency response mode. But it's supposed to kick in and jump back out in a quick fashion, right? Only when you need it to survive. And so when your brain is stuck in this, it causes these hormones to always be released in your body, which we're finding has other effects that we'll talk about throughout today's um, podcast. Uh, but like you said, Annie, I grew up listening to my mom, who is the child protection attorney in my home county, um, discuss ACEs all throughout my life, not naming them as such, right? So she would talk about all of these things that as I listened to Dr. Nadine Burke, I was like, yes, ACEs, ACEs, <laughs> ACEs, um, but they were not named as such, right? Um, so when I listened to this TED Talk, it gave me the biology behind what I was seeing and hearing throughout my entire life. ACEs came from um, a groundbreaking and massive study done by Kaiser Permanente, right? How do I put this? (laughs) In Southern California in the mid-1990s. I feel like I always screw up that name. Uh, The study set out to find the impact of certain types of childhood trauma, those occurring between the ages of 0 and 17. And the long-term, or I should say birth and 17, and the long-term health outcomes of those individuals throughout their adulthood. This study identified 10 specific incidents in a child's life uh, as adverse childhood experiences, which impacted the overall health and well-being of people throughout the course of their entire lives. So I know today it makes a lot of sense for us that critical traumatic instances in our childhood would have an impact on us, but it's it's still so crazy to me um, to hear that this is something that wasn't actually solidified until the 1990s, that it took mm-hmm. this long for people to figure out that, that connection between trauma and behavioral responses mm-hmm. and um, lifelong health impacts. So, uh, and Kate, you had mentioned that there are certain types of childhood trauma that were identified to have an impact on children. Um, What are, tell us a little bit more about what these adverse childhood experiences are and how they impact people through their lives. Yeah, of course. So I, as I mentioned earlier, um, this study identified 10 specific types of childhood trauma that are now known as adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. The initial study identified that certain traumatic events can have both immediate and long-term effects on a person's health and well-being. These events include child abuse, whether that's physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, and physical or emotional neglect. They also include parent or caregiver mental illness, parent incarceration, parent or caregiver substance abuse, domestic violence in the home, and parent divorce. The impact of ACEs was clear. Not only were there emotional health impacts, such as greatly increased risk of substance abuse, unhealthy relationships, mental illness, and suicidality, but there was also significant physical health impacts as well, um, which I think helps to concrete this issue in a lot of our um, in a lot of our society that wouldn't otherwise have taken notice, right? It impacts heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, obesity, and cancer. Um, One thing was especially clear, the more adverse childhood experience an individual had, the higher likelihood that they would have physical and emotional health consequences throughout their lives. Now, this is not an exact science. You don't get sick and then you have heart disease, right? Everybody's body has different resilience levels. Um, But, you know, one one traumatic event in one person could have significant effects, whereas other people that I have worked with have had 10. Um, But we are seeing that on average, the more ACEs that you've experienced in those birth through 17 um, ages, the more likely you are to experience some of these side effects. 
Uh, and I would wager that anyone working in systems-based programs long enough can see these impacts as they often eventually see a shift, um, things shift from individual to family cycles. Annie and Alan, how often do you hear your county partners say things like, oh yes, that family is well known around mm -hmm. here, or yeah, mm -hmm. we know her, we had her removed from her home as a child, it's a shame we're having to involve her kids now too. Totally. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of, when you're talking about that, Annie, uh, Kate, what, what it made me think about was just as there's been this shift in thinking within how we look at people within Safe Harbor and seeing that, you know, you're not a criminal, but there's something that has been going on in your life and that you actually have been exploited in this situation, there's this whole part of that understanding about ACEs, which needs to be developed everywhere within all of the systems, whether it be in the school, whether it be within law enforcement, whether it be within uh, judicial and, and uh, county attorneys, to have that understanding, because then that dovetails very much then with the, with the safe harbor part, that it isn't this, that you're a bad kid, that you're an overactive kid, that you're doing things, that you're a troublemaker and your whole families have been troublemakers. It's about what is the trauma that has gone on in their lives that is creating this systems um, where, where these types of, of issues are happening over and over and over again. And I think we have to include the conversation of historical trauma and yeah. epigenetics into this ACEs conversation as well. And Annie, I know you're super passionate about yes. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I think that that, I'm not an expert on epigenetics by any means, but um, really intergenerational trauma and historical trauma show how untreated or um, ACEs without interventions really just continues on from generation to generation. And and I learned about ACEs really while I was working in a community and with families who were impacted by this intergenerational trauma, um, not only from things that happened within their families, but really because of systemic oppression, right, and historical trauma. So um, it, it was really, and I don't want to say fascinating because it is heartbreaking to see too, but to, to really just see that pass on from generation to generation without um, without intervention, I guess, is the best way to put it, or at least appropriate intervention, because mm -hmm. we know that child protection and law enforcement are identified as, as intervention. But um, really studies, and Ellen, you'll talk about this a little bit more, but studies are showing that the type of intervention that is needed isn't necessarily what many of our systems are doing. Um, and, and my background, too, educational background is in society, sociology. So um, as I learned more about ACEs, I really was interested in um, whether or not there were maybe some things that were, were missing from this initial ACEs study, uh, again, specifically around that uh, race and systemic oppression, because uh, a lot of times it was really just, there's a lot of conversation around things that are happening within a family without initially looking at the things that were happening to families. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I did a lot more digging, kind of wanted to learn more about what this looked like, and also uh, learned that there's something, there was another study that was done um, really looking into these community level experiences that were actually added to these initial ACEs. Um, so it's referred to as expanded ACEs. Uh, and these were actually identified through something called the Philadelphia ACE study. Uh, and it included 
community level adversities because we need to identify that uh, again it's not just a family system where damage is done but really things that are happening to families within the societies and communities that they live in so um, those are really witnessing any type of violence so not just domestic violence within the home but um, domestic violence in the community um, gang violence other types of violence within the community um, racial or ethnic discrimination um, experiencing bullying community mm -hmm. safety, and then also being in foster care. Mm -hmm. um, and we know, of course, that um, when youth enter into foster care, usually there's some sort of traumatic incident that's happening before that. Um, but just recognizing that, that that presence of being in foster care in and of itself really has lifelong impacts on youth as well. Um, so the Philadelphia study recognized that there were some really big things missing in that um, Kaiser Permanente study, and that really namely is, is that the majority of people in the initial study were white, college educated, and middle class. Um, so it really failed to take into account the experiences of most Americans, and um, it actually wasn't until 20 years later that researchers took into account how systemic oppression and issues that stem from this could actually impact the health and well-being of an individual's life. Like for me, again, mind-blowing. <laughs> like what? Duh. But um, Alan, I know that you have actually implemented ACEs into your work as a navigator, and I know that you've done work with youth in previous roles as well. Um, I would love to hear really how you brought education about ACEs into your communities, and can you tell us more about how ACEs impact human trafficking as well? Certainly. Well, prior to joining the Safe Harbor Network, I was a youth development director at a community action agency serving five counties in southwest Minnesota. We worked with disadvantaged and at-risk youth providing in-school, after-school, out-of-school, and mentoring opportunities that focused on something called PCEs. Some people called it protective childhood experiences. Others call it positive childhood experiences. PCEs would be the corollary opposite of ACEs. So understanding ACEs impact upon youth development was a building block for what our program was really about and what it addressed. And as you've already both described, ACEs have a huge impact on the development process youth undergo affecting their social, emotional, behavioral, cognitive development all of their life. So our programs worked towards developing resiliency in their lives. How could we put in those types of assets that would help build resiliency to um, the things that they're experiencing that are traumatic? With regards to human trafficking and ACEs, you can look at nearly any youth human trafficking risk assessment or screening tool and see ACEs included in the list all over the place. In fact, there are certain ACEs that put youth at particularly high risk of being trafficked, such as experiencing sexual or physical violence, abuse or neglect, substance abuse, mental health issues, and while not listed as an adverse childhood experience, what you had mentioned there, Annie, involvement in child welfare due to you know, parental separation or that abuse because of the abuse by household members or even parents being incarcerated. So Kate, I know you use ACEs because you've been talking about it to inform your work with youth and as a navigator as well. Jump in. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, we actually work on um, completing the ACEs questionnaire with youth that we serve. So I want to add that this is something we work towards uh, because we want to be able to discuss their score and educate them on what ACEs are and what they may mean to them as they move through life. So again, really using it as an educational tool. But to do this uh, well without re-traumatizing the youth we work with, it's always best to have strong trust and rapport built up prior to taking these steps with this ACE 
Pieces questionnaire. Uh, what I found though is that youth really appreciate the knowledge and power that this gives back to them. When we can explain not only how their past trauma may be presenting in their bodies currently, but also what they can watch for in the future to ensure the best health possible for themselves. I would also like to piggyback on your earlier statement, Alan, about how ACEs are connected to human trafficking. According to a study done in Florida, the more ACEs someone has, the higher risk of human trafficking. And they found that the prevalence of trafficking went up when a youth had six ACEs or more, especially if they were related to child maltreatment. 2.5 times higher for girls and 8.21 times higher for boys. Crazy. Um, and I love, love, and I know you guys have heard it from me in the past episodes and hear it from me more. I love when studies bring in uh, the conversation to both girls and boys, and especially now moving forward, love to see the difference with our transgender community as well. Um, I think that that's something, and obviously we can see in the study, 8.21 times higher for boys that have experienced uh, child maltreatment or ACEs around child maltreatment. and Annie, I know you also <laughs> bring, we all bring this into our work. Um, so how are you using it? Uh, so what I, typically what I do is, um, <laughs> and I, I say this, like I, literally anyone who will listen to me, I talk about uh, what the protective factors are and what we need to do as professionals, um, as individuals really to help mitigate the risk of the lifelong impacts for ACEs. Um, So I I try to integrate conversations about ACEs into every training that I do, but not only, again, remembering that like this is the negative parts, but really talking about the positive. So as I had mentioned, like I will literally tell anyone who's willing to listen um, that really one of the biggest protective factors against the lifelong impacts of ACEs is for a child to have a safe and supportive adult figure. And I know a lot of times when people hear that, they don't think that that's something that they can be just because, well, I might be like, maybe I work at the front desk at at my school or maybe I work in the lunchroom but it really studies have shown that it really doesn't matter it doesn't have to be a parent it doesn't have to be a foster parent it doesn't have to be um, a coach Um, it can be any person who really is um, non-judgmental loving and supportive and unconditional for this for this individual so it really can be um, like a school admin it can be the person who's sitting at the front desk in the school it can be a paraprofessional it can be Um, It can be a coach, it can be kind of anybody that really has that ongoing contact with the youth. Um, So Alan, you had mentioned those uh, PCEs or positive protective or positive childhood experiences before. Um, I'd like to hear more really about what we can do to reduce the impact of ACEs and what these PCEs are. Sure, and it it dovetails into what you said, but I want to um, just kind of interject something here that when you were talking about that, that made me think about the Minnesota Student Survey. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, back when I was a, a program director for that youth development program, we went over our county's um, uh, Minnesota Student Survey data religiously, looking at what what's going on. And when we just got this last uh, one out, and we were, we were, you know, together, we were kind of going through it and people were walking us through it. I remember looking and seeing that 11% of those ninth and 11th graders said they had absolutely no one, not just like kind of someone, but there was 11% who said, I have no one in my life as a positive adult, whether it be somebody in school or a parent or a neighbor or anything. And so 
when thinking about that, it is so important that in all of our programming and in all of our interaction as we work with individuals, that we also become and present ourselves as one of those positive people in their life, a supportive, caring person. So anyway, I just need to say that. But as I touched on before, the program that I was involved in, and, and we've been bringing a lot of that into our supportive services program at Southwest Crisis Center as we work with uh, individuals there. We focused on reducing that impact of ACEs by building resiliency through the development of protective or positive child experiences. And I guess bringing in some science again, I love what you always bring that in, uh, Kate, that the study done by John Hopkins identified that there are seven protective childhood factors that are linked to good mental health in adulthood. We talk about resiliency in youth and adulthood, and this study identified certain behaviors in families that build resilience. These include the ability to discuss feelings with family. How important is that? Mm -hmm. Feeling that family members are supportive in tough times. Participating in and enjoying community activities. Again, reaching out beyond just a nuclear family, but into our whole settings. Um, that's a very, very, very important part of it. And then a feeling of belonging in school, you know, amongst your peers. And in addition to feeling supported by family, feeling supported by friends is that really great, another protective factor in their life. And then finally, outside of the protective factors that you've all mentioned, any feeling safe and protected by a family member at home can mitigate the risks of ACEs on a child. The study shows that children and youth who experience many protective childhood factors during childhood go on to become adults who can seek and support and get care. And adults who can seek, support, and get care have effective measures to mitigate the trauma in their life key takeaway from today. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that, Alan. I, I think it's really important that when we discuss the negative, negative things like child abuse and trauma, again, that we're also talking about ways that we can reduce the risk of lifelong emotional and physical impacts. Um, so as listeners, we need uh, things that we can bring back to our communities, our schools, and families. And every time I do a training, people are saying, you know, what what can I do? What can I do to help? Um, these are easy key takeaways that we can do as community members, as family members. Um, so it's our responsibility also as professionals really to share things that each of us can do to help youth have successful lives. Um, Thank you, Kate and Alan, for sharing so much wisdom and knowledge with us today. And thank you to everyone who spent a part of their day listening to us. For now, that's the scoop on sex trafficking. Thank you. Thanks. Yay. We did it. Cool, cool, stop. cool. Oh.